morning, everybody. God bless you, and thank you for being with me this morning. And I mean that sincerely because I know there's a lot of different places you could be this Sunday morning, but you have made a decision and a choice to be here at the Digital Cathedral. One of the things I, I ask the Father every week, I say, Father, make sure that I say something that will make the person that watches feel that they've invested their time wisely by coming to the Digital Cathedral on Sunday morning. So I hope this morning we get into some things that will maybe clear up some uh, dilemmas in your life. I may say some things today that will upset you, shake you up, rock your world, but that's what we do at the Digital Cathedral. We, we dig down under and we bring out uh, revelation. I can bring the revelation. It's your job to get the illumination. So what I wanna do this morning is this. I wanna stop the bus. I wanna stop the bus. Those of you that have been with me any length of time know what I mean when I say I wanna stop the bus. I stop the bus every now and then so that everybody can get on the bus that needs to be on the bus. We have new people that come into the Digital Cathedral every week from around the world, and some are not up to the speed that many of you are that have been here for a long time. So every once in a while, I just stop the bus kind of reiterate some things, <clears throat> make sure everybody's on board, everybody's in the right seat on the bus so that we can go forward. And the reason I do that is because we're gonna be picking the pace up, point forward. So I wanna make sure that everybody has a good understanding as much as I possibly can, keep everybody together. Uh, you know, I guess it's just the pastor in me that wants to keep the flock all moving in the same direction. And I don't wanna leave any anybody uh, behind or at the end of the Sunday morning digital cathedral say, man, I don't understand that. that. That seemed way out there to me. I want to keep us all flowing and going and blowing together because we're on a, we're on a tremendous journey. And I, I, I like making it with you. I'll be real honest with you. I look forward to this time on Sunday. I look forward to Wednesday night uh, when we meet there at the secret place. So let's get into this this morning. Let me just start by bottom lining for all of us what's going on in the earth today. Let me just kind of give you a bottom line. It's like nothing I've ever seen, to be honest with you. There are things going on today like I have never seen. I'm speaking about positive, good, spiritual things. Here's what's going on. The spirit of truth is taking us out of a dimension of soul where we have lived all of our lives, even religiously. We have lived in a, in a place of, of uh, mind, of will and emotions that have had the preeminence, the, the, the dominance in our life. We've made decisions, we've made choices, we've lived our life out of our mind, our will and our emotions, and it hasn't proven real successful. So what the Spirit of God today is doing, he's moving out of that, us out of that dimension of, of soul and he's bringing us into spirit. Now for him to do that, he has to cut off a lot of ties, connections. Uh, he has to cut off a lot of junk that we've picked up over a lifetime of conditioning, much of it by religion and being in a church. We've heard a false gospel. We haven't heard of Jesus. That was the Jesus Paul proclaimed and declared post-resurrection. So there's just a lot, of, a lot of entanglements that we have to shed, that we have to get rid of. So the spirit of truth is taking and he's moving us from soul to spirit. And as he does, he's cutting all of those things off of us and he's elevating our consciousness, our perception, uh, from the position where we see people and situations and things in life. And so that's kind of where we're traveling. That's, that's going on worldwide. 
It comes through grace, comes through the finished work of the cross. It comes through an understanding of unconditional love and mercy that endures forever. But there is a battle that comes, that tries to hold us back. And Paul nailed it down. This is where I want to begin today. I want to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. I'm going to read this out of the New King James, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. This is, this is what would try to hinder the progress. Paul said this, he said, we need to cast down imaginations or arguments. The, the King James says imaginations. New King James says arguments. I think, honestly, the better translation of the word there is the word imaginations. But I do know this. Imaginations argue with us. They try to reason with us. They try to uh, dominate, try to intimidate us. So Paul said, here's what we need to do. We need to cast down those imaginations or those arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, that would exalt itself against the revelation of the knowledge of God or the revelation knowledge that you have received of God. Now, the revelation knowledge that you receive about the Father is probably going to conflict with the religious upbringing and the heritage and the, and the nurturing that you receive for a lot of years in organized religion. I understand that. So Paul says when something conflicts with what you have now come to understand about the Father, you need to cast it down. It's going to argue with you. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to come through your imagination, and you're going to wonder, man, am I even hearing correctly? He said, get rid of it. Cast it down. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and here's the key, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of the Christ. So when your mind is filled up with junk that does not coincide, it doesn't agree with what you know about the Christ, get rid of it. Cast it out. One of the major obstacles that, that hinders us from manifesting as sons, from living this Christ as us life, is the imaginations that we carry around in our mind. And they're well entrenched. They're well entrenched. They continually try to play games with us. They continually try to, to fog our vision, help us to not see clearly. Uh, so Paul said, cast them down, cast them down. That word casting is in a present progressive tense, which means it's an ongoing process. It, it means you're not going to do it once and it's going to be over. Those, those imaginations, those thoughts, those arguments continually come back to us, at least for a period of time. That's that set of things that when you first understand revelation of the Father, those imaginations that war against you, that, it, that they'll come and tell you, well, you know he's judgmental. Well, yes, he's love, but you also know, you also know he's full of, of justice. So it tries to argue with that revelation that we get. And they will fight for a while until finally your spirit ascends over that soulish inclination that is presenting an argument, and you have, you have total victory over that. You have total victory over that. And we're going to talk about that this morning. I want to make sure you do. It was the imagination of Adam and Eve that got them into, into difficulty, into trouble that begin with. Their imagination told them, God's holding out on you. He's withholding his best from you. The imagination said, God does not want you to be like him. Now, that's not what God told them. I'm sure walking in the cool of the evening, I'm sure when they walked with him in the cool of the evening, they dialogued, they fellowshiped, they had intimate connection. I'm sure the father reiterated to Adam and his identity. I'm sure he reiterated to Eve the identity that they carried in his image and developing in his likeness. Then it was the imagination of their mind that told them God was angry with them after they ate from 
the tree that God said, don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from the, the this imagine. See, this is what creates imaginations, the knowledge of good and evil, because you're always looking for the good, but the evil's always trying to war with you. And when they, when they ate of that tree, what happened was the imagination of their mind now tells them God was mad. God was angry. He was going to punish them. Was God, was God angry? No, there's no indication in Scripture that God was ever angry or upset with Adam and Eve. I mean, there's no indication of that. In fact, he went looking for them. And the, now listen to this. They heard God's voice even in that condition of disobedience because they heard God speak and they responded and said, we were afraid. God said, where, where are you? And he said, we're over here. We're hiding, man, we're afraid. And God said, why are you afraid? Who told you you were naked? So then it was their imagination that told them that they did something wrong and they need to hide from God. All of this was an imagination that took place within, within their minds. It was an imagination. So what did they do? Out of their imaginations, and this is what we've done, and you inherited this. You probably didn't do this. You inherited it. Adam and Eve created a God out of their imagination that was absolutely nothing like the God that had revealed himself to them. So out of their imagination, they created a reality that was a lie. They created a, a reality, a perception that was not so. Wasn't even close to being accurate. And so it, that has been handed down. In fact, the God that the evangelical church worships today is exactly like the false perception of the God that Adam and Eve created in their mind. Separated, angry, vengeful, punitive, we never know how he's going to be, so we need to hide from him. There's no, in, there's no intimate connection, no intimate relationship. He's out there, we're here. And that's the God that Adam and Eve created in their mind. They entertained and believed imaginations that conflicted with the truth. And people are still doing that today. They had everything provided for them in the garden. They were in the image and likeness of God. So here they were, here they were, and here's where religion is today. They were trying to become something that they already were. They were trying to become like God. And God said, I've already created you in my image and I've created you in my likeness. There's nothing more for you to attain. In fact, I've placed you in a garden. There's nothing more for you to get. There's nothing more for you to have. I have given you everything. So what Adam and Eve did because of the, the imaginations, and I think that's why Paul said, you need to cast those things down. When those things arise in your mind, you know they conflict, bring them down. Don't give them place. Don't meditate. Don't cogitate on them. Get rid of them. Throw them out. Anything that comes against the knowledge of the revelation of the Father that you have, don't spend time with it. Don't give it place. See, so what, what Adam and Eve did, they gave it place. They looked to get from a false source what they already had, what they already had, what they'd already been gifted with what God had already provided for them. And that's what sin is. I know that you, you have heard the definition, uh, harmatia, it's missing the mark. And it, that's true. That's what sin is. It's missing the mark. But here's how, here's how it comes down. Sin is nothing more than trying to fill a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Was there anything wrong with Adam and Eve desiring to be more like the Father? Of course not but they fulfilled that in an illegitimate way. That's missing the mark. It's a, it's a legitimate need that you feel that you need to have finances, right? All of us need money, all of us need finances. That's our, our currency of exchange. 
An illegitimate way of fulfilling that would be to rob a bank. You rob a bank, you've missed the mark, right? Father is your Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. Now, when we try to fulfill that legitimate need in an illegitimate way, we miss the mark. That's the point. You want to know how you miss the mark? Filling legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. So we have at times fed ourselves from the wrong tree. And it's created problems in our life, created difficulties, created obstacles, because we have not grasped what has been finished and what has been fully provided for us apart from our efforts. We make choices, we make decisions, we're trying to attain what the kingdom within us has already been declared by Jesus to fully have provision for us. That which he declared done, that which he declared finished, we're in full possession of. We have the fullness of it, we have the completeness of it, and yet it's been difficult for us to grasp. So our journey to manifesting as sons, the, the, the journey to living as Jesus is in this present world is going to entail that we renew our minds to something. And I'm just going to, I want us to renew our minds to this today. That's why I've stopped the bus. Where we're going in the future, you have got to know that everything that you ever will need has been given to you already. That the Father has placed all things into your hands. If Adam and Eve Eve had renewed their mind to this, they would have never gotten into the difficulty they did. They would have never had a problem. And if you will renew your mind to what I'm about to tell you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to irritate some of you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to challenge you. Right? If, you renew, if you will renew your mind to this, it's going to change your life. It's going to change the way you pray. It's going to change the way you see challenges. It's going to change the way that you look at other people. It's going to change your outlook. Right. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to renew our minds to something, and it's this. We're going to free the Father. We're going to free the Father this morning from any more requests to give us what he's already provided. We're going to renew our mind this morning to freeing the Father from any requests to give us or provide for us what he has already given us. Now, this is going to take some foundation. So if you do not have a good grasp of grace, if you don't have a good grasp of the finished work of the cross, what everything Jesus accomplished when he said it's finished, if you don't understand unconditional love, if you don't understand mercy that endures forever, then you'll never do this. You'll never do this. You'll continue to make requests for that which the Father's already given to you. Right? You don't have to ask for those things. You don't have to ask for grace what was provided through the through the finished work of the cross. You don't have to ask for unconditional love. Those things, the Father direct deposited them into your life. You already have them. So if you don't get a good handle on those things, you're going to live like Adam and Eve, and you will go to the tree of dew. You'll go to the tree of dew and dew and dew and continue to do to, com to complete what God said is already done. And that's where we have spun our wheels. That's been our, our church life. We have spun our wheels for years and years, many of us, trying to get done what he has already declared has been done. It has already been finished. So the truth is this, and this is gonna, this is gonna rattle some of you. The truth is this. God has done through Jesus everything 
that he's ever going to do for you. There's nothing more for him to do. He has provided everything. He has, there is nothing more that he can provide for you. He has provided all things for you already. Right? If, if you can renew your mind to that, I'm telling you something this morning. If you can renew your mind that there's nothing more he can give, there's nothing more he can provide, there's nothing more he can push across the table to you. If you can renew your mind to that, it's going to save you a lot of spiritual frustration and a lot of religious activity. For example, it's going gonna, it's gonna to alleviate frustration. You're, not, you're no longer going to have to say, well, I prayed about that, but God didn't answer. No, he didn't answer it because he's already answered. Well, we're waiting for God to move in this situation. No, God's not going to move. He's already moved. You need to take advantage of what he has already declared is done and finished. And you have to quit trying to get him to do what he's already done. All right, let me read a verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, right? Paul post-cross saw this. And, and this fits right in with what I'm trying to get across to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me get over here. Uh, and this is going to free you up this morning from some good stuff. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says, For all of the promises in him, every promise that he's ever made, every promise that you read in this book, every promise that he speaks to you directly, and that's the ones I'm really concentrating on this morning, every promise that he has said to you, it says in this 20th verse of Corinthians chapter 1, listen closely, all the promises of God in Christ, who is the provider, are yes and amen. That means he, he has already approved it and he has finished it. Amen's, amen means it's done. It's done. And when it says that it's yes, that means he's already given favorable approval to what he has done. So when you see the promises of God, when you understand the promises of God that have come to you through grace, through the finished work, because he has unconditional love for you, know that he's already said yes and it's completed. They're all completed in Christ. Christ finished all of it. So the day's over. The day is over of trying to convince him or to talk him into meeting your needs. Did you hear me? The day is over when you have to get on your knees, bury your face in a carpet, and beg and squall and plead for God to meet your needs. He's already met every need. All the promises are yes and amen. Let, let, me, let me be specific. Let me get down where you live. He is not going to do anything more for your marriage. Now just stay with me. I told you you're going to get irritated with me. He's not going to do any more for raising your kids. He's not going to do any more about the business that he gave you, that you're operating, that you're running. He's not going to do any more about your health, right? He's not coming, he's not coming down to touch you. He's done all that he can do. He has placed you in a kingdom, that kingdom that is within. Everything that you need is in the kingdom and the kingdom is in you. But rather than listen to him, rather than develop our understanding of what already belongs to us fully, you know what we have done? And we have developed a habit of this. We run around and we get somebody else to counsel us. We need counseling. People used to come to me for counseling. I was a terrible counselor. I would tell them, look, the best counseling I do is Sunday morning. There's nothing I can tell you in my office, sitting across a desk from you, that I haven't already told you on Sunday morning. You want good counsel? Listen to Sunday morning. And I would say that to you at the Digital Cathedral. I'm coming with my A game every Sunday morning. 
And what I bring to you is the best counsel that I can give to you. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm counseling you, don't ask him for what he's already said yes and amen to. Don't try to wangle out of him what Jesus already said is finished. See, we would rather get somebody to speak a word over us, give us a prophecy, counsel us, help us, lay hands on us. I've had the best, I've had the best, you know, charismatic superstars lay hands on me. I, Benny Hinn has personally laid his hands on me and prayed over me. You know what? It didn't change a thing. It didn't change a thing. It might have bothered me at the time, but doesn't bother me now because I look back and I go, what could it have changed that I didn't already possess? Now, that's all good for babies. Prophecy, I'm not against it. <clears throat> Laying hands, that's all fine. It's all good for babies. But you're not a baby anymore. You're not a baby anymore. John in 1 John chapter 2, look at this. 1 John chapter 2, way back to the, almost the end of the book. 1 John chapter 2, and just let me read a couple of verses here. I'm trying to get you to see that what, what you have is already sufficient. So what we're learning at the Digital Cathedral is how to draw out of that sufficiency. Chapter 2, verse 20. All right, here we go. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. An anointing is a divine enablement. So you have an ability that has been given to you from the Father. Now watch what he says it's for. And you know all things. You say, well, I don't know all things. I'm facing stuff I don't know what to do. No, wait a minute. The anointing that is in you knows everything. So it's now our job to drop that bucket down deep into the well of that anointing which we have and pull up the knowledge for what we need. You've already got it. He goes on in verse 27 and he says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. It stays there, it's made a home, it abides, it has a dwelling place in you. And you don't need that anyone teach you. No, you don't have to run after somebody to tell you. Now teaching is good. I watch, I watch teaching every week. I try to watch a couple of, of teachings every day. I really do. I try to watch, um, there's some people, I'm not gonna tell you who they are because it doesn't matter, but I try to keep myself taught. I, I respect that gift of teaching. It will teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and it's true and it's not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. All right, so that, that, what, what that, what that anointing is gonna get you to do, he said in that 27th verse, it's going to increase your abiding in him. And that's important because that's where uh, in him, Paul said, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he's in you. Right? So what I want to learn to do, continue, is how to abide consciously in him and not spend my time trying to bombard him with what apparently by my, by my senses, by what I see or what I hear or what I feel, I need. I have got to come to a place where I understand that I already possess all that I need. And it's the anointing in you that helps you to pull it out. So let me just say it again. He's done for you everything he's ever going to do. You might as well make up your mind to that. Your, 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 your praying is not going to force his hand. Your praying is not going to change his mind. Your praying is not going to get him to move. He's already moved. 
His pray, your praying is not going to get him to answer a prayer. What it's going to do when you pray, what you do is you align your consciousness with him. You align your consciousness with what he's already done. And so you come into an agreement with him about what he's already provided. It's done. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. You may see this in a different light here in just, in just a minute. Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to read, uh, let me pick it up in verse 11. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. And it says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sin. That's where people have been stuck, doing the same thing over and over and over and over, and it has no effect. He said they, ought, they stand every day and they're, they're making these same sacrifices and it never takes away sin. They're sacrificing to have sin removed, but it didn't do the job. Now watch this, verse 12. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Why did he sit down? Because there's no more he could do. He sat down because it was finished. He sat down because everything that he was sent to do, he completed. He sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting, waiting till his enemies become his footstool. He's sitting there waiting for you and I to understand what we have already been endued with so that we can take up what he did and we can complete on this planet what he has already finished. So it's a, it's a realization, it's a, it's a shift in consciousness from us uh, uh, press, trying to press into him to get something to understanding we have it. And so now for us to put into effect that which we possess, that which we already have, to begin to utilize it. You understand what I'm saying here? He's already given it to us. He has sat down and he's looking at us and saying, now use it. I've given it to you, but we're not used to doing that. We're used to trying to, to get him to do something or pray for somebody else to tell us what to do. That's not going to cut it anymore. That's not going to cut. I told you you might get upset with me. I make, I'm, I'm bringing you to maturity. I'm telling you it's time to grow up. All right, let's read on here. Let's, let's pick it up in verse, where did I leave off? Verse, uh, verse 13, verse 14. For, I, for by one offering... He has perfected forever. He has perfected forever those that are being sanctified. So that work has been completed. You are perfect. Now that's, a, that's, that's objective, that's, that's done. Now he said, but those that are being sanctified, he has perfected forever those that are in the process of understanding their position. So when, as you progressively, you come into Digital Cathedral on Sunday morning, we get together on Wednesday night, we are in an act of progressively, you shouldn't miss Wednesday, Wednesday's good. We're in an act of progressively understanding that we have been perfected, that we are set in a position where there's nothing more that can be utilized, okay? Jesus sat down because the work was completed. Everything was done. Everything was in place. But what do we want him to do? Because we have been groomed to, to, to feel that if we can argue our case strong enough, if we can push it hard enough, long enough, that he will stand up from his place of being seated. He'll stand up and come over and do for us what we're requesting. Do you know, he, he had a lot more trust and confidence in us than what we do ourselves. 
he said something mind-blowing. And we just, we just rush over that scripture and we don't even let it sink in what Jesus, what Jesus said about us, right? Now, let me, just, just let me establish something. The problem solver lives in you. The problem solver lives in you. John chapter 12, I'm laying this down. I'm telling you, I'm making this as legal as I can make it this morning, laying line upon line so that you see it for yourself. John chapter 12, look what Jesus said. John chapter 12, and I'm going to pick it up. Just a minute, let me see where I want to start. I think I want to start, yeah, verse 12. John, I'm, I'm sorry, John chapter 16, not John 12. I want to start verse 16. John chapter 16 and verse 12. Yeah, here we go. All right, now listen. I'm trying to tell you what has been deposited in you. We haven't, we haven't gauged, we haven't measured the thing that lives within us strong, nearly strong enough. Verse 12. Jesus said, I've got a lot more things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. All right. We're in a time when you can bear them. We've come through a process. We've got foundation laid down. We are ready to hear what he has to say. Here's what he says. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Spirit of truth knows exactly what you're able to understand and what you're able to get into. So where you're living right now is pushed to the max. It's over on 10. But as you gain more understanding of revelation, and what I'm, what I'm teaching you this morning is going to let the spirit of truth expand on your perception of what has been completed and done. He said, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will lead you into all truth. He will lead you. He will lead you. He will communicate to you. He won't speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he will tell you things that are to come. Think about it. If you were, if you were to know what was to come, you would make different decisions and choices. We don't ask the spirit of truth. Spirit of truth, reveal to me, show me. I'm waiting, I'm listening. This is how you need to spend your prayer time, contemplation, listening to what the Spirit of Truth tells you is going to come. He knows what the stock market's going to be next year. He knows the, the repercussions of the choices and the decisions you're making. So we need to lean into that and let him show us. See, see we don't believe the done. We don't believe the done. We don't believe the completeness of the garden that Adam and Eve had. They didn't believe it. And we don't believe the completeness of the kingdom that dwells in us. So we feel compelled to get other people to join us to help us get what we feel we need. Isn't that true? Call the prayer chain. Get the prayer chain praying on us. I got a need. I got a problem. Get the prayer chain praying. And the more people that we can get to join, the more powerful, the more effect it's going to be. I mean, if we can get a stadium full, if we can get a stadium full, surely... Sure, if we can get the high school stadium down the street filled up with people that are, are praying and begging and pleading and calling out to God, surely Jesus is going to stand up then and come over and do something for us. And if that stadium doesn't work, then let's go down to Minute Maid Park where the Astros play. Surely the 60,000 capacity, we can get 60,000 people, you know, pushing on this and, and praying fervently, fervently, really rending the heavens. Surely he'll get up off what he has finished and do something for it. No, he's not. That's why you have these corporate prayer meetings that'll have 10,000 people at it, and five days after it's over, nobody even remembers what happened. Nothing. You cannot pray revival into a city. Revival begins with you, and you've already been revived. Now it's a matter of, of you passing, you shining light on what you have into the lives of other people. Jesus understood. 
Jesus understood. He freed. I said, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to free the Father from asking him, making requests for anything that he's already given us. Jesus understood that. Jesus did it. Jesus freed the Father from giving him anything that the Father already had given him. Now, here's what Jesus, here's what Jesus said. John chapter 13. John chapter 13 and verse 3. I got hope I get through all this today. I got to because I John chapter 13, verse 3. It says, Jesus knowing. Man, there's a there's a there's a, a strong place for knowing. Jesus knowing that the Father had given him all things. When you know, see, our problem has been we haven't been convinced of it. We have thought we've been lacking, like Adam and Eve. We thought we're lacking something. Jesus knew that the Father had given him all things. When you know that the Father has given you all things, then what are you going to pray for? What are you going to pray for? What are you going to bombard heaven with? And also, all things in his hands, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he had identity. Jesus knew this, that out of identity comes the understanding that you have all things. Paul understood that the Father had given him all things. Paul understood there's no need to ask for anything. Let me, let's, let's look at the testimony of Paul. Romans chapter 8. Here's what Paul said. Paul caught it right on, hooked on to what Jesus said. And Paul saw it for his life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. And if you're heirs and children, then heirs, heirs of God. You're an heir of God. An heir receives the full inheritance from the Father. That's what you and I are walking in. We are living in an inheritance. If you're a child, then you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Notice it didn't say Jesus. I'm going to get into that some week, but not this morning. Of the Christ, of the eternal spirit, the, the, the word that was made flesh. That you are, you are a joint heir with that. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So here's what Paul saw. Paul saw, I'm an heir of God. When I'm an heir, I have full possession. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Jesus did not possess anything that I don't possess. He didn't have anything on me. Now, Paul forgot this one time. And over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul was really distraught. I think it was Judaizers that came. They harassed him constantly. Paul called it a thorn in the flesh. He'd go into a town, teach the, the good news, get things set up. Judaizers would follow and tell him, Paul's a false teacher. You gotta, be, you gotta be circumcised to be saved. So Paul said, this thorn in the flesh, he said three times, three times I asked God to do something about this. God didn't do anything about it. Why? Because he already did something about it. He answered Paul and said this, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, what I have provided you, what I have given to you is sufficient. So Paul goes, therefore, he said, I will gladly rejoice in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me because when I'm weak, then I'm strong, right? When I feel like I really am in need, that's when I have to understand that I have it, that I'm already strong. Peter understood it. Peter understood you don't have to pray and ask God for what he's already given. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, he said, and I'm hurrying along this morning, I'm not going to take time to read, I'll paraphrase it. He said that we have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, right? So 
Jesus and Paul and Peter said it's all about living out of the resources that are already in our possession. Now, if Jesus understood it, if Paul understood it, if Peter understood it, certainly 2,000 years later, you and I ought to have some understanding that what has been given to us is everything that the Father could ever possibly give us. So the call of the day is this, the call of the day, and this is why I want you to renew your mind, is why I stopped the bus. The call of the day, if we're gonna live as Jesus lived, if we're gonna manifest his sons, is that we have got to understand that the kingdom placed within us is there to meet all of our needs, that we are to be fed by the tree of life, which is Christ. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said, man, when it pleased the Father who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal the Christ in me. And once he had that revelation of the Christ in him, he saw all things. Jesus was God's total supply to us. Total supply. He was his total supply. He sent the Holy Spirit so that we can learn, so that we can uh, receive uh, revelation and illumination to walk as Jesus walked in his present world. Do you know how much faith Jesus had in you? Jesus has more faith and more confidence and it speaks such a good word over you. It's beyond, it's beyond. We just, we just kind of rush over these verses. I've never heard anybody really get strong about these verses, but I'm strong about it this morning. This is what Jesus says about you. John chapter 14. If this, if this doesn't crank you up, nothing will. If this doesn't expand your consciousness, I don't know what will. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 12, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he that believes on me, the works that I do will he do also. All right, we've bumped into that and we haven't even, we haven't even explored that. We don't think we can do the works that Jesus did because we're still not convinced that we have what Jesus had. We think Jesus had a leg up. Jesus had a special anointing. Jesus was favored in God's eyes. No, he wasn't. He's the firstborn among many brothers and God is not a favorite of his children. The works that I do, will you do also? Now, here's, here's, what, here's Jesus expressing his confidence in you. And greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. Now, watch verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this is about living as a son. This is about duplicating the life of Jesus. This is about living the Christ is us life. It's about the inner working of you and the Christ as you. Now, did you notice something in those, in those three verses? Jesus said, the works that I do, will you do and greater works than these because I go to the Father. Now, then he said this, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. That means that you and Jesus are in a partnership. Now, what I want you to notice is that the Father was no place in that asking formula. He never said, ask, ask the Father. He said, anything you ask in my name, anything you ask, he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. You, it Jesus said, it's you and I. We're working, we're working in a partnership. My life is your life. Your life is my life. We are, we are one life together. We're in union. We, our DNA flows together. We have the same DNA. We have the same uh, father. We come from the same family. We're, we're together. He said, and the reason that this will happen is so that the Father will get glory. The Father receives tremendous glory when you and the Son, when you and Jesus collaborate 
and are able to accomplish things. The father sits back and says, man, this is what I designed. This is the way I set it up. This is what I want to happen. So most of the time, here's, here's the way I prayed for years. I would pray to the father. I'd say, father, blah, 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 blah. Father, I need. Father, I must have. Father, you need to, you need to come. Father, I, uh, if you don't do this. See, I was asking totally amiss. Totally amiss. I had no, I had no understanding. Nobody taught me what I had. Nobody taught me about the finished work of the cross. I was trying to finish what was finished. I was going to the tree of do rather than the tree of done. The tree of done is the tree of life because everything that flows out of that tree has already been accomplished. Do you remember, and I don't, don't, uh, I don't have long this morning, but do you remember one day Jesus really demonstrated about not asking the Father, but understanding all things were in his hands. One day Jesus gets a word from a couple of his, his real friends, Martha and Mary. It's over in John chapter 11. He gets a word from Martha and Mary. I can't prove from scripture, but I think they were probably big contributors to his ministry. They were partners, you know, partners in the ministry. They send Jesus a word and they say, Jesus, our brother is sick. We need you to get over here to pray. Now the tree of lack, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would say this, man, I need to drop everything I, I, I have and I need to get over to Martha and Mary. And Martha and Mary knew they had an in with Jesus. I mean, when Jesus was in the area, Jesus stopped by their house and had a chicken salad sandwich, a piece of coconut cream pie. The coffee pot was always on. Things were good. They were cool. They were friends together. So when a friend made a call, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, I need to drop what, I, what I'm doing. I need to get over there. They need my help. It's the least I can do. They've always supported me. They've helped me. They're my friends. But here's what the tree of life said. The tree of life said, you stay right where you're at for three days because I've, I've already done what needs to be done. I've already done it. It's already happened. So in that three days, notice Jesus. There's no recording that Jesus, you know, got prayed in the spirit, got in, uh, you know, got all jacked up, spent time with the Father, uh, went in there and, and just, just got all pumped up in the spirit because he knew what was going to happen when he was released to go over there. Uh, time and death. Uh, Jesus lived outside of them. And so as we, as we come into some of the realization of this, we're also going to realize we live outside time and space. We live outside both. Death and time do not control us. I am never going to die. I don't know about you, but I'm never going to die. I may walk from the kitchen into the dining room. That's the easiest. That's the way it's going to transition. That's the way it's going to come down. We live outside that. So Jesus gets over there, and the sisters are upset. Martha goes out to meet him, but Mary stays at the house. She's, she's not coming out. Finally, she does, and they come out and they tell him, say, Jesus, you know what, man, you blew it. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died, but now we got a big problem. Jesus, he's dead. And Jesus said, no, he's, he's not dead. He's just sleeping. See, Jesus knew where he was coming from. They said, man, he's in a grave. It's been four days. He's smelling bad. Tree of knowledge of good and evil speaking. Jesus speaking, tree of life. No, he's going to live. He's going to be just fine. Now, when Jesus gets down to it, he doesn't ask God. He doesn't ask God. doesn't say anything to the Father about raising Lazarus. He, he just put up a prayer and he said, I, I got to say this because of the people that are standing around. Father, I thank you that you always hear me. That was the confidence he had. So then he speaks as Lazarus come out. You know the story. Lazarus comes out, loose him and let him go, takes the grave clothes off, and everything 
happens exactly like it should happen. Not because Jesus begged and pleaded the Father, but because he knew what had been placed into his hands. I'm, I'm trying to go deeper in this in my life, and I'm trying to bring you with me. We got to get a hold of this. We need to see out of that story, what we need to see is that the son walked in the fullness of kingdom provision. When he said, the father has put all things into my hands, that included the ability to raise Lazarus from the dead. That, that power was already in his hands as part of all things. Even before the cross, Jesus taught the disciples. He said, you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, is, what does that prayer really mean? It means that we need, to, we need to see the coming together of those two dimensions into one. And when those two dimensions come together as one, heaven will swallow up everything in this earth that you are moved by, that you see, that you feel, that you sense. It'll swallow it up. The last enemy that is to be destroyed, that'll be swallowed up, is the strong one that we still have trouble with, that Jesus demonstrated he had power over, which is death. That one will be swallowed up. It, it absolutely will be swallowed up. We, for the most part, have lived not out of things above. We lived out of things below. We haven't, we haven't elevated our consciousness. So I stopped the bus this morning to say to you, I want you to be so keenly aware that you can say with Jesus, the Father has put all things into my hands. You can say with Jesus, I only say what I hear the Father say. You can say with Jesus, I only do what I see the Father do. There is that union, that joining together that allows us to bring heaven into earth. You're from another place. You are a spirit that is having a human experience. You're not a human. You are a divine spirit, an eternal spirit that is having a human experience. Paul said, I, I, I've learned in whatever state I am there to be content. He said, I've learned how to be a base. I've learned how to bound. I've learned how to have plenty. I've learned how to have nothing. He said, I've learned in whatever state. He said, I'm content. Then he goes on and that's in Philippians 4, 11 to 13, something like that. Then he goes on in verse 19 and says, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. Not needs, need. He'll supply all of my need. The only need I have is to understand that all things belong to me because the kingdom resides within me. The king is within me. Jesus and I are walking in union as one together. And when that happens, every need will be met according to his riches in glory. So it doesn't matter what's breaking around you. It doesn't matter what it appears like. We have got to come to a place where we, where we are fully conscious, fully conscious that the finished work is finished and we don't finish it by what we do, by our prayers, our actions, our discipline, trying to live a holy life, in any of that, right? Every, everything has been deposited into our life. So with this knowledge, with the now knowledge that we have of the Father through the Son and the Spirit, we can cast down every imagination. We can cast down every high thing that would exalt itself against the revelation knowledge that is being continually poured out and that we're seeing on a clearer basis week by week. You and I were designed to live in Genesis 1. We were designed to draw out of that garden, which is the kingdom for us, to draw out of that garden everything we need from the tree of life. The tree of life is the Christ within us, right? Christ within us. He's there. Everything is there. We've already got it. 
Adam was placed in the finished work of the garden and he didn't realize it. Imaginations came, warred against him, argued with him. So he felt he was lacking in things. He felt that what the father, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. He looked at the garden, he could see there was everything there and yet there was something in his mind that says I need to do, I need to do. And that need to do has been passed down from generation to generation. Let me affirm for you this morning, you have been delivered from the power of darkness. You have been delivered from the, the kingdom of this world. And you have been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. And in that kingdom is full provision. In that kingdom is all that we need. Peter said, for life and godliness. Jesus said, in that kingdom, we find everything put into our hands because we know where we come from and we know where we're going. Jesus demonstrated the Christ life. And as our eyes open, as our eyes continue to open, I'm, 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 I'm wrapping up, I'm concluding right here. As our eyes continue to open, you know what? We're going to experience that realm of Genesis 1. I, I, I believe that what we have today is better than Genesis 1. I believe that with the Christ in us, we, we have available to us better than Genesis 1. But Genesis 1 was the design. It was is what God implemented so that we could read and say, okay, here's, here's some kind of pattern. But I believe with, with the finished work of the cross, what we have even stretches beyond that. All right. I had to stop the bus this morning. Those of you that are old timers at the Digital Cathedral, forgive me. I know you probably have heard much of this before, but it's good to hear it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So the more we hear the word, if, if you've already heard this, then you know what? The spirit of truth is ready to take it down another level for you. It's, he's ready to reveal more, more to you. So I hope you got something this morning that made your time invested here at the Digital Cathedral worthwhile. God bless you. Thank you for being with me today. I appreciate your prayers. Thank you for your monthly support. It helps us in so many different ways. One of these days, I'll take some time and explain to you what all we're really doing and how your support really helps us. But just for right now, just believe me, uh, your money is being invested in carrying the good news around the world. This life-giving message, so powerful, so good. I wish I'd have known it years ago. I would have made heavy investments in it. I'm investing my life in it. I hope you're investing some of yours also. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. And next week, we're going to talk about some concluding truths. We're going to bring some things together and look at it in, in one message. God bless you. See you then.